Hey everyone, I am Farah Kimji and you are listening to the Futura Talks podcast. I believe the future will be built by those who see opportunity where others see uncertainty. It will be built by people that don't look like the traditional leaders of our past, but by women and individuals from diverse backgrounds that see the world differently and who are driven to make it better for all. This podcast will feature these people, self-made leaders and entrepreneurs that defy odds and are motivated to build a better future. We will also share practical advice for how you can unlock your full potential as the leader of your own Futura. Now, let's jump into today's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Futura Talks. Today, I'm joined by two incredible entrepreneurs, Alyssa Berry and Caroline Sawamoto, the principals and co-founders of IR Labs. Combined, Alyssa and Carolyn have over 30 years of investor relations and capital markets experience, having raised over $1.6 billion of capital. Alyssa has led some of Canada's most successful activism campaigns, managed M&A transactions, and enhanced board governance frameworks. She is known for her agility, creative prose, and relentless pursuit of success for her clients. Caroline has supported numerous financing activities, both public and private, with experience across various exchanges and industries. She is known for her diligence, poise, and can-do attitude. Together, they founded IR Labs. IR Labs is a dynamic investor relations firm that goes beyond the press release. They design and execute investor relations programs customized to tell a story, drive investor engagement, create visibility, and make an impact. IR Labs is industry and sector agnostic and supports both private and public companies with their investor relations programs, corporate communications, and ESG. And personally, I am just so excited to have them here for our first interview with two founders so we can learn more about their entrepreneurial journeys, forming IR Labs, and working together as co-founders. So guys, let's dive in. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Awesome. So as you guys know, I like to take things back before we get into IR Labs, and I'd love for you guys to both tell me a little bit about what you were like as a child and what you aspired to be when you grew up. Awesome. Uh, We'll start with you, Caroline. So when I grew up, I wanted to be a teacher. I grew up in Indonesia, uh, which is a developing country. So at that time, you know, uh, your aspirations are not very big. You're looking into your teacher or parents or a doctor. So yeah, I wanted to be a teacher. and then as um, I was growing up, I really liked, um, uh, you know, arts and, uh, and and businesses. And my my mom is actually a banker, and uh, she always encouraged me to go into banking uh, and follow her footsteps. Uh, so, you know, when I went to school, I actually ended up taking business school. I did marketing and finance, um, and I followed her advice um, and became, you know, a business person, an entrepreneur today. So yeah. 
Awesome. Okay. Well, I think you had a little flair for, for knowing what you wanted to do all the way, you know, back from sort of being a child, which is awesome. And Alyssa, how about you? So when I was younger, I wanted to be a writer. I uh, had applied to go to university uh, to become a journalist. And this was just at the beginning of the demise of the mainstream media. Um, So good news is I didn't follow that path uh, as uh, what I hoped would be a very successful and lucrative career. Um, I had a mentor in my life who suggested that instead of going in as a, a journalist or reporter, uh, I should be on the other side and be making the news and, and creating those stories to be covered. So I uh, very early on, uh, or before I had graduated, made a pivot that I would go into communications. And I was fortunate to uh, get a job with a, private, uh, a public relations firm here in Vancouver and got a very uh, great taste of what the PR and communications world was like uh, while I was in, still in high school. Um, and I think one of the, one of the, just another, I guess, quick little story is, um, if you remember back when it's take your kid to, uh, to work day, yeah, yeah, do you I ever, remember uh, when your parents, my dad took me to uh Canaport, um, and he took me to computer share and he took me downtown Vancouver. We had like this, this capital markets day is kind of the best way to describe it. It was back in the day where you still needed to take that share certificate and drop it off at computer share. Nothing was being done electronically back then. And so a lot of writing checks and dropping them off at the lawyer and all that. And I remember leaving that day, very inspired that I wanted to be a business man when I grew up, just like my dad. And, uh, and so that was always in the back of my mind. And so that input along with this mentor who kind of saw in me as well, um, the business side of, uh, of the world that I root I should take was um, kind of how my journey began. I love that. I think it's it's those early impressions. Sometimes you don't really realize how they may land with you. But what I I love most about your story there too was the don't just like don't just tell the story, but create the story. And I think that's you know quite powerful sometimes actually to look at look at it that way. So awesome. And then can you both share kind of the educational journey and, and sort of professional journeys that you guys have taken up until this point of right before launching IR Labs. And so we'll start with you, Alyssa, this time. Sure. Um, I, uh, I was a workaholic and all through high school, uh, instead of participating in a lot of things I probably should have been doing, whether it related to sports or student councils, um, I was working a lot and not out of necessity financially. It was just, I really wanted to get into the workforce. So I actually, outside of high school, I took a two-year program um, in communications uh, combined with some really great internship opportunities. And I wanted to get out in the workforce really fast. So that's, uh, I started with those two years behind me um, and was very uh, fortunate to find some opportunities um, that allowed me to keep building on that over the years. And since then, I've done uh, so many, we'll call it add-on programs, where I've been fortunate to go to uh, Richard Ivey and do a lot of programs at Harvard as well. Um, but I, I wanted to get out into the world. And uh, whatever, uh, whatever I needed to get my foot in the door was how I started. Awesome. And what, what were some of the kind of companies or roles that you had up until, um, you know, deciding to start your own company with Caroline? 
Um, one of the uh, first professional or grown-up job that I had was actually in investor relations. And okay. my dad had cautioned me about getting into IR, um, saying it's a lot of work, you're on all the time, it's it's not for the faint of heart. And uh, But I, I found a, a really cool opportunity uh, that was in the seniors housing space. And I, I got the interview and I passed um, the HR interview and the next was gonna be with the CEO and the CFO. And I was, I maybe I was 19 or tw- might've turned 20. And I sat down with the CEO and the first thing that I asked him was, um, rather than him asking me a question, I asked him, how can I create value for you? Like now, effective today. And uh, I got a call after I left that meeting and he offered me the job on the spot. And then I worked for him for 16 years. Oh, wow. Uh, in- many different capacities. So um, I was really, really lucky to find um, an advocate uh, for myself and my career very, very early on, um, who gave me so many opportunities that I would not be here today if it weren't weren't for him. That's awesome. And I I love that question. Anyone listening who's interviewing right now, uh, what a great question to ask in in an interview. I think it's so insightful and, and that you had that so, so long ago or so early in your career to ask that, which is phenomenal. So Caroline, tell me uh, a little bit about your, um, you know, educational path and professional path. Sure. Yeah. So um, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, back in high school, I, I was actually interested in pursuing, you know, arts, interior design, all of that. But, you know, given my mom as a banker, she said, no, you need to do business, you know, as an Asian parent, you need to make money. You're not going to make money as an interior designer. Um, so she convinced me that I, I should take business. So I did. I listened to her. And so I went to SFU. I did marketing and finance. Um, I did a few co-op terms. And my last co-op term was actually at Canaccord. And I was an investor relations analyst there. They had just gone public. And they needed somebody to help with uh, their annual report, their annual general meetings, uh, writing uh, scripts, the press releases. Uh, so I, it was my first exposure to investor relations. And I really enjoyed it because it really combines my uh, degree in marketing and finance because you're basically a salesperson for the company. You need to be able to sell uh, the company to uh investors right to the audience and um and at the same time you need to know the financials of the company being able to understand uh financial statements mda um so you can you can tell a better story uh based on that so yeah that's how i got into investor relations and i've really enjoyed it since then it well it's such a killer killer combo the marketing and finance usually people have you know one or the other but i think the combination of that is is so powerful and especially for the type of work that you guys both do so so now you know you guys are both working in some sort of form of investor relations capacities at a corporate company so can you tell me a little bit more about how you guys actually met and what really led to you know your decision to decide to launch a business together and i'll I'll just throw it out there to you guys you, you can decide to jump in I'll I'll jump in. Um, so fast forward uh, for this amazing CEO I was working for, uh, we were fortunate to be involved in a, a really big um, M&A transaction. And once 
uh, that was complete, he approached me and asked me to start a private equity firm with him in Vancouver, uh, focused on the real estate space. And very quickly, uh, as we were raising money, and like it was a full startup. So we're raising money for our funds. Um, we're designing the office, we're hiring people, you know, we're putting benefits programs and payroll and everything, IT infrastructure, everything in place. Um, and I was very lucky to be involved from the ground up and, and do a lot of that heavy lifting, which I think led to has led to um, some ease for us to start our business um, that we have today. But we got involved in uh, proxy fights and shareholder activism uh, under this private equity platform uh, that we were involved in. And it opened my eyes to a lot of different things and being involved in the equity markets, making uh, very significant long only investments um, based on high conviction and fundamentals. It, it opened my eyes to a couple of things about how companies can be successful. And we talk about there's people throw around the words shareholder value creation or long-term value. I, I, I fully understood it and saw it translated over the time that uh, I was working um, the PE shop. And so we saw a couple of things. You need a solid management team, first and foremost. You need a great story um, and a strategy that can be properly articulated to the markets. And then you need a really strong governance framework. Um, and if, if you can get capital allocation and structure all right on top of that, then you're off to the races. Mm -hmm. And I think for us, being involved in a couple of these proxy fights where I saw poor governance, I saw strategy that was failed, I saw great companies that were doing a very good job of communicating or translating their stories to the market. And it opened my eyes to a couple of things. And I saw a bit of an opportunity, and, um, which has led to where we are today. But I called Caroline um, and, and said, I think Canada needs good investor relations. Um, companies need help with all of the above that I just, just referenced, but they need more than they don't need someone just to write a press release and put it on the newswires. They don't need someone just to make a couple phone calls and hope that the investor goes by, goes and buys their stock. They need the relationship building. And Caroline and I, while we have a lot of innovation and really creative things that we do in our organization that we'd love to tell you about, um, we also uh, take a bit of an old school approach where, you know, the same way that we were raised and brought up meeting people in person and shaking hands and building relationships the old fashioned way um, leads to the long term sticky investors. And that was really what started IR Labs. It was, uh, I don't know, Caroline, you could uh, elaborate on the phone call, but we just we said we, we can fill this gap. And uh, and we have and it's been it's been wild. But I'll, I'll let Caroline jump in. Sure. Yeah, so I'll tell you how we actually met. And uh, that was, yeah, 15 plus years ago. Um, we are both part of the um, Canadian Investor Relations Institute. Mm -hmm. uh, we we're both serving on um, the, the board in, in BC chapter. And um, but I think the first time we met was um, at a CERI conference, to be honest. It was in Victoria, I believe. And uh, yeah, you know, like, oh, I, I met another young IR professional and we just connected um, and and then after that uh, again like we, we started on the same uh, board together uh, so we, we just kept in touch um, one time Alyssa actually called me she's like I'm going on mat leave can you fill in my my role <laughs> so I was like oh you know I met her like once how come she's 
she's so trustworthy. It was very interesting. <laughs> but uh, I, I was, I was actually, I was actually quite new at my job, so I declined the opportunity. But um, we kept in touch, and uh, we just uh, really, you know, admire each other's, uh, you know, profession and, and ability in investor relations. And uh, when I uh, moved to the uh, real estate industry just a few years ago. Uh, she was the first person I reached out to, and I said, "Alyssa, I'm in uh, real estate now. You know, tell me everything about real estate and investor relations. I want to learn from you." Uh, and so, yeah, we reconnected uh, a few years ago during COVID, actually. Uh, and then, and, uh, yeah, we met up for coffee a few times. And uh, last year, she called me uh, with an idea of, uh, you know, bringing together this amazing. IR platform and um, filling the gap in the Canadian investor relations uh, by uh, launching, uh, you know, a great, uh, good IR company. So I, uh, she, when she called me, I immediately said, "Yeah, why not? You know, uh, let's do it." Uh, by the end of the phone call, I just committed and said yes. I, I love so much about what both of you guys just shared in, in your stories. Alyssa, interestingly enough, and I, I think you know this, but I actually worked for a private equity real estate um, startup as well. I was like the second person working there. They had just, they were just about to close, you know, the raising of, of their first fund. And all of the things that you mentioned about some of the issues that prevent a company from being truly successful and having the right strategy and governance in place and, and their, you know, how they, how they're represented in the market. Like I went through that firsthand. So I absolutely see why, you know, more is needed on that front. Right. And so it, it's so insightful that you were able to sort of see that there's more that can be done here. Um, and then I love how you guys met because I think a lot of times people take for granted these boards or these volunteer opportunities that, you know, you're sitting on a committee with someone or whatnot, and you start forming these relationships within your industry and it's, you know, pretty organic, but you flash forward 15 years later. And these are people who you genuinely respect and admire the work that they've done and you've built a friendship and you never know where that can lead you like that. I will say when I went out on my own, I didn't know that all of the real estate committees that I sat on would would help me later in life to sort of, you know, that's where I draw some of my clients from right now. And I just went about organically forming those friendships and not expecting that, you know, 10 years or 15 years down the road, I would be capitalizing on that, that or partnering with someone or doing work with someone. And so I just wanted to share that because for anyone listening, you know, if you are a part of some of these committees or, um, or events that you work on or volunteer opportunities, you know, it's really important to start fostering that, that network early on in, in life, I believe. And you can also start later on in life because you never know where these, um, you know, relationships will lead to. For you guys, it's led to starting, you know, IR Labs. So can you tell me what it was like, though, to start a, and launch a company together in the middle of a global pandemic? Because I know there's a lot of in, aspiring entrepreneurs that have kind of started out of this this time. So what was it that you guys saw that you're like, you know what, this is the right time to do this? 
I can start. You want to jump in? I'll jump in. Okay. Yeah. So I think we were both actually still working in our full-time job at that time uh, when we came up with this idea. So we we thought, well, there's no other time. Like it's just you just have to do it, right? There's people always say, you know, there's never a good time for anything. So you just kind of have to jump in and, and dive in right away. So we did that. Uh, you know, we were still working in our jobs uh, full time. So we took the nights and weekends to uh, work on our business plan, work on our branding, our marketing strategy. Uh, and we hired a designer to build our website and all of that. So we did that all throughout the summer and uh, spring and summer, actually. And, uh, you know, we also expanded our network. We reached out to some of our network and kind of, you know, um, gave them the idea that we're starting to have something new. So uh, if anything, the pandemic actually helped us grow faster because we were able to hire people from anywhere mm-hmm. like across Canada. Um, you know, it wasn't, and, and we were able to start remotely, right? You yeah. don't need to have that upfront startup process of like having an office, mm-hmm. having, you know, people, um, yeah, working in the office and, and only limited to hiring locally. So uh, we were able to hire across Canada, just um, getting those, those important, you know, talents and positions for, for IRLabs. That was, um, that was key, right? So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Alyssa, Alyssa, anything you want to add? Yeah. Yeah, we, so Caroline and I were 50-50 partners and we didn't take on any investors. And I think one of the things we did before we launched is we did talk to people we trust in our network about getting into partnerships together with someone that we really hadn't worked together before. We, as Caroline said, like we've admired each other's careers from a distance, but we've never worked together. Um, And we weren't coming at this as lifelong friends either, um, which I think actually is Uh, what has led to a lot of our success too. We're now best friends essentially, but, uh, um, and then, so what we did, um, we took on a client and uh, in our spare time and their, uh, their invoice paid for all of our marketing. So, you know, we didn't have to, we, we obviously injected capital into starting the business, but we were fortunate to have a, a pretty significant mandate that covered all of our branding. And and I think people underestimate how important that is. And coming from the communications and marketing and IR industry uh, and marketing and comms comes a lot into the work we do. We knew coming out with a really strong brand was important and being called, you know, the run of the mill, whatever stuffy name was not going to work for us. And we really spent the time talking about what do we stand for? How do we want to be perceived by the market? And coming up with IR Labs sounds a little techy, um, but that was something that ha- has been uh, very, very successful and has um, actually navigated our path in terms of the type of clients who come to us as well. But spending the money on a really great website, great content, really articulating our services, and we we uh, we created a bank of content. So we said, when we go out, we want to go out strong. And mm-hmm. so we had, you know, when you do your opening salvo, we, you know, we launched to the world and put our database together and we created these things and done these things in our career. So it wasn't some of this, we hired people and some we were just doing ourselves. We took all of our contacts that we knew that have followed our careers or supported us in some way who might be interested in the work we do. We plugged them all in 
And we just pushed out content. We said, here, you know, we're live. Here's what we're doing, which was a bit of a surprise to a lot of people uh, who uh, who knew us and have followed our careers. And uh, and then everything from the writing, the blog post, the social, like we had a, a bank of it for a long time so that we could just kind of keep coming Push in, pushing it, pushing out strong. Um, so that certainly was something that um, we really believe has led to our success. And then the whole startup piece, um, because it's not easy, but it's also not rocket science to kind of put all the administration in. And because uh, Caroline in a family office setting and then me in the private equity setting where we were setting everything up, writing policies and procedures and employee handbooks. And we actually just finished our annual performance reviews um, two weeks ago with our employees at IR Labs. Like we put the infrastructure in place at the outset, which was really attractive for hiring as well. When we, it, it's, it's a risk for mm -hmm. someone who yeah. want to work with, Hey, we launched two weeks ago. You want a job? And they don't know us. if they're going to get, they don't know if they're going to get paid, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so, but them coming into an environment that had onboarding processes and systems and everything else, um, you know, we were punching above our weight very, very early on. And it's, yeah. it's been great to um, have that in place um, right from the get-go. You know, what's so amazing though, is you guys took the principles that you, A, learned from your, your corporate life, but also the same ones that you want to bring to some of your clients and you guys were your first client, essentially applied it to your own business. All these best practices that you were seeing that were missing from other companies are like, well, we got to like model this ourselves and come out strong and have the good governance structure, the, you know, the onboarding structure, the strong marketing and brand, you knew that that was really important. So I love so much about, you know, you guys taking kind of the advice I'm sure that you give to a lot of your clients and applying it to yourselves first. And then I, what else is great about your story is, you know, this is a great example of, of saying you don't have to have a, a large sums of capital to start a business you know, you can bootstrap your business. You can get that first client that can fund some of your initial startup costs that you can then keep going from there. And you don't need, because I think there's a misconception out there that, oh, in order to start a, a start a business, I need a ton of money. I mean, yes, you need a little bit of a runway where you can fund yourself for periods where you don't have that, you know, money flowing in. But I, I think in this environment, it's not as it's not that huge number anymore. I mean, and you can also start putting the pieces together of the business you want while you're still in your corporate jobs, which is what you guys did. So I thank you for sharing that because I think a lot of our listeners will really gravitate to realize to say, you know, if I have this business or I have this idea I want to do, I can, I can start it up on, on the side before it becomes the full-time thing. So what, what a great start to the business. So now, you know, you guys are over a year into what you've been doing with IR Labs. Can you tell me a little bit more about exactly what you and your guys, your team does at IR Labs? So um, we were, we're super IR geeks. We love what we do. We're really passionate about our work. And I think the, um, We've created a really great foundation. Um, we call it a platform and that word gets thrown around. But what we've offered today to our clients is really unique and doesn't exist out there. And I know it sounds a little naive to think you don't have competition, but 
we've created something where our clients can tap into all of these different resources we have in place for them. So traditionally in a lot of agency environments, whether it's investor relations or advertising or marketing, PR, whatever it is, you've got an account lead who manages the relationship and um, will leverage maybe a few other resources on the team, but typically you're dealing with that one person. Mm -hmm. um, and investor relations is one of these jobs where we like to call it the junk drawer job because yeah. everything lands on IR's plate. Um, and uh, we get thrown all sorts of curveballs all day long. And if you want something done that traditionally can't get plugged into other departments, you go to IR. Mm -hmm. So we kind of took a step back and said, when we were, because we've had the in-house IR experience, what do we need to be successful in our jobs? And how do we scale this? Because I think scalability, especially in a services business, is very challenging. Mm -hmm. So we've put together a platform where we've got our capital markets team. We've got a digital marketing team that does the social media, the pitch decks, all of the design work. We've got copywriters, and then we've got our senior associates. Um, and we have an in-house PR team as well. Everyone is in-house um, and part of the IR Labs team. So we're not contracting out um, to different parts of the world like on a contract basis. Um, our people might be all over the place, but um, but everyone is part of the IR Labs team. And we've really set up a framework, uh, like a teamwork pro uh, approach. So Caroline and I and all of our senior VPs can manage a lot of clients and be client facing and the client wants the senior leadership as well. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they're, they're paying for, you know, good sound advice from people who have a lot of experience, but we've got, we're building a very strong bench underneath all of us that can tap into all of this. So if our client wants investor targeting, they need a press release, they need a blog post, they need um, to, to do some outreach, a roadshow, an AGM, whatever, we can tap into all of these different individuals. And um, it's been it's been a way for us to scale our business very, very quickly. Whereas to manage, particularly being um, managing public companies, these clients are demanding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we need to be on 24-7. If something needs to be disclosed now, like, there's no, let me put that in the queue and we'll get it to you next week. It's we're working throughout the night to get that out for you. So I think that um, it has really led to our success. And then it's a matter of, um, and Caroline can talk a little bit about the people we've hired. Um, it's not easy finding really great talent and you don't go to school for investor relations either. So it's a lot of learning on the fly, but I'll let Caroline talk more about that. Yeah. And I think another perspective that we provide, like Alyssa and I came from, you know, big, large cap, mega cap, publicly traded companies. And again, we found this niche for our um, for IR Labs, where we work with a lot of emerging, you know, newly listed companies on the TFX venture or CSE uh, for the deal, and uh, and and as well as private companies. But um, it's very interesting that we've been able to bring our large cap experience, where you know, there's structured governance, uh, like good IR. Uh, best practices, bring them into these, you know, smaller cap companies. Um, and I think that's very unique um, because a lot of these companies are great operators, um, but they uh, don't know capital markets or they've mm -hmm. never been a public company. So us being trusted advisors, you know, providing them advice and guidance to how to navigate capital markets, I think that's very important. Um, and we've been very successful in doing that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. 
Which is awesome. Like, I think what's really interesting about what you guys have done, you've taken what is like, in your words, typically the junk drawer of, of, of the part of the business and kind of made it sexy, right? And, and made it really accessible for your clients to be able to get all of these functions under one roof. Because often, you know, IR is, you know, like you said, part marketing, part someone maybe on the finance team as well you know, part PR or you're outsourcing part of it. And then you're trying to bring it all together. And it, it's a lot of people who are not necessarily all aligned on one strategy of how to do this. So what a great way to be able to offer this to companies who don't have that in-house expertise and often are, you know, just putting it together to get a press release out um, that you're, you guys are going far beyond that. And I think, you know, when you said you don't have competitors, I'll be honest, like when I think about you know, what a typical IR function, how it functions in-house or what companies usually do. Yeah, there isn't really anyone that they could go to and say, can, can you actually just manage this whole process for us? So I think you've really hit a really great kind of gap in the marketplace um, that is very much needed, especially today for a lot of companies that may be private, but are considering going public, right? And you know, you can help them navigate that, that road. So actually tell me a little bit about your, your client mix, what types of companies you're now working with, what is your, your sweet spot? I know you work across industries, but what, what have you been, you know, in this first year plus, what are your client, what is the client mix looking like at this point? You want to take that one, Carolyn? Yeah. Yeah, we have uh, about 20 plus clients, maybe 25 now. And it's a mix of, you know, half of them are public, the other half are private companies. Uh, again, we work in various uh, sectors. Uh, in, you know, we have clients in, in real estate, a lot of, you know, private developers. Um, in, in Vancouver or in Toronto, actually, we have quite a few clients uh, in Toronto as well. Um, you know, they want to institutionalize their uh, investor relations program, right? Because they do have, um, you know, probably like 50, 60, or even, you know, a few hundred investors, uh, limited partners, and they want to be able to communicate, you know, consistent messaging, quarterly reporting, annual reporting, and an annual meeting to their investors. So we've been able to tap into that market and bring in our expertise into uh, that industry. Uh, and we've been successful in doing that. Uh, we also have uh, uh, clients in in clean tech, in in renewables, in um, uh, plant based food company. Ag tech is a big thing now. It's a very hot market. Uh, so we have a few companies um, in ag tech, uh, and then yeah, we have uh, clients in uh, cannabis, psychedelics. So it's it's really a range of uh, companies and industry. Very, very exciting. And, and what, what would you guys say is like, you know, how, how would you say you differentiate yourself from sort of other IR firms or in-house IR functions? You know, what is the pitch, right? If you guys are trying to get a new client, I'd love to hear how you guys, you know, um, position yourself in the market. Yeah, I think that uh, we're really, we're really hardworking and we really want success for our clients. And We've been in-house and we know how challenging the role is. You're getting pulled in a lot of different directions. And um, if, if I could go back in time, I would have started this a lot earlier. And, uh, but we are where we are and we're fortunate yeah. to keep building upon this. But 
I think the the way that differentiates us is what Caroline referred to as we're bringing in bringing an institutionalized uh, program to a, primarily micro cap, small cap companies, um, mm-hmm. as well as our private clients as well. As Caroline mentioned, half our clients are private. Some will go public, and some will never go public. They just mm-hmm. need our support still from a uh, from a IR perspective. So I think the, the that's kind of the sell for us is we're just uh, kind of under one roof, we can handle a lot and you can tap into whatever resources you need. And given these really um, challenging, volatile markets that we're in right now, it's been really good and refreshing for our clients. We haven't lost any clients and we keep adding, uh, which is, which is fortunate, but we've been pivoting with our clients. So our clients said, look, we're obviously not going to go do a bunch of outreach right now. No one's going to pick up the phone and hear our story. Why don't you work on an ESG mandate? Or why don't you help us overhaul the website or find some of those other projects that we can kind of get done uh, while we wait for things to to change? And the really, I think, Caroline, you used these words as well. Like we we want our clients to view us as trusted advisors. Yeah. Um, if they're, we're off in the first phone call, if a CFO resigns and a CEO calls us like, I lost my CFO, you know, we're, let me make a few calls and see who we can bring in or how we can help you navigate through that. Um, or there's a major transaction. And it's like, we need you all weekend to help build out a data room like fast. And mm-hmm. uh, we've been able to really um, be a reliable resource for our clients. We, because a lot of the, the companies we support Fantastic management teams, great operators. They're really good at running their businesses, but capital markets is foreign to them. Mm-hmm. So we're helping coach them to get in front of institutional investors. How do I talk to a family office versus a retail investor? What do they want to? What do they want to hear? Um, and making those connections. We're serial connectors. And for anyone listening, if we can ever support in any way, or there's someone in our network you want a connection with, we're happy to do it. Um, and we're very grateful that a lot of people have done that for us in our careers. So mm-hmm. my long-winded pitch. You know what? <laughs> I, I love it. And I, I think what's really great about what you guys have shared in that is, you know, maybe you're, you start with a company and you just, you have a mandate that's for one thing, but as your relationship grows with them and as their business evolves, you know, you take on more and more, especially once you've now built that trust. So it's amazing that you are able to help them with so many different things, even if, you know, they just came, hired you for X, eventually it might be X, Y, Z, ABC, right? Like, which is really, really quite, quite good. And how, how have you gotten most of your clients? Has it been through just, you know, your existing network and relationships, or are there specific things that you do to attract new clients? Yeah, it's been, we've been very blessed and fortunate that uh, we've been supported by our, you know, people in our network, uh, even from the beginning, like Alyssa said, you know, our first client was within our network and was able to pay our bills for marketing. Uh, but then it just, uh, you know, we, we, we landed, uh, you know, our, our client, uh, a client on LinkedIn, for example, um, that's just one one example when we first launched and uh but since then it's just been word of mouth and referrals uh we do a lot of like Alyssa mentioned we push a lot of content like through Mm -hmm. linkedin and through um you know our website you know we have blog posts and resources uh so we create we do create a lot of content we have our own mailing list where we 
um, uh, distribute this content and and is a lot of education about IR. And again, like I said, we want to make IR exciting and, and fun, right? So people actually enjoy that and like that. And and through that, we've been able to get a lot of referrals. Um, yeah, just within our network, we've partnered with Women Get On Board. Um, they've been very supportive. Uh, women Capital Markets, very supportive as well. Uh, you know, we go to the events and meet a lot of people. And yeah, we, we, we go to a lot of um, networking events. Uh, and and just through our existing clients as well, because we do good work, so yeah. our clients like us and they uh, refer us to to other companies. Right? That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And I think, um, uh, and Alyssa, sorry, did you want to add something in there as well? No, I think that's we've been we've just been so lucky, and the bankers, the lawyers, the investors, um, investors who are um, invested in some of the companies that we help them obviously make money on uh, their investments, they start referring us to other companies that they're invested in. So building those relationships. And and I think the one thing I would like to add is just the clients we choose to work with or the clients who choose to work with us. And um, it's really important that we feel that we can tell the story and that we could actually do good work for them because our reputations are all we got. So if we go out telling a story that is just has a lot of hair on it or doesn't really make sense or it's you know the market doesn't love it those investors aren't going to pick up our phones if we're for lack of a better word hawking crappy deals so if we're representing great companies that are doing good work uh, that are impressing the investors um and and by having that philosophy or approach we get the good ones which is uh Mm -hmm. which is really fortunate yeah, I think I think you know there's such a power in realizing. So what 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 I took out of what you guys just shared is I think a lot of times people think that they have to come out and before they can start a business they need this huge client roster, but actually you might be surprised by just how your existing network can lead can kind of snowball from one client to the next client to the referrals and and maybe you're getting clients that you know, weren't even in your network, but got drawn in through your content. So, you know, you can often, and you don't even have to have a huge network to start a business. I think you're lucky. It sounds like it, you guys are lucky that you do have a really strong network. Um, But I think it's exciting to hear that you guys kind of went from, you know, one client to I'm sure many now, just in a very pretty organic way, right? Like, doesn't sound like there's that much on like, paid client acquisition or whatnot. Um, so really, really cool to be able to, you know, be one year in and have such a great success story so far. And I love that you shared that, look, you guys try to work with companies that you really are excited about, uh, working with, right. And that you believe in their story and you believe in what they're putting out in the market. So, you know, expand on that a little bit more and and tell me, you know, are there any, what excites you most about what you get your get to help your clients do? And do you have any interesting stories around that that you can share? We, um, I love that. And we should actually give a shout out also to all of the exchanges. So we've got great relationships with the T, uh, TSX or TMX yeah. group, uh, the NEO, CSE. Um, they, they also are huge advocates for us and get us involved very early on with a lot of the companies we represent. So uh, and beyond that, it's all the other partners we work with. So 
um, all of the the transfer agents and the lawyers and uh, some of the other vendor partners that are out there. We we all kind of together as an ecosystem support each other and, and bring each other in. So just wanted to acknowledge that piece of it. Sure. Um, I think the cool thing about we do is we get to have fun and cr- be creative all day. So I find our work highly stimulating because we can work with a um, clean tech company and then we're working with an egg tech company in you know completely different spaces and um i think the skill sets are very transferable across as long as you kind of know the basics but getting involved and and getting into the weeds of what is this business and how did it grow and how is it going to keep growing because we always need to sell the story to the investors how this build business is going to um, make the money at the end of the day or keep uh, keep growing uh, I love that part of what we do, and I find a lot of it uh, problem solving. Um, uh, I, I think my son thinks I work at the fire department because we're always putting out all these different fires. But um, and then and one of the things we'll give you as an example, we um, we took public this company called Pesarama, the Mexican dollar stores essentially. Uh, they're on the TSXV, um, and um, we love their story as moms, we shop at dollar stores, the story really resonates. So getting visibility and getting our clients out there is always hard. How do you, how do you find the investors to actually get involved? There's digital marketing and all sorts of other strategies, but we did something creative where we created these dollar store goodie bags that we filled with all sorts of dollar store stuff. And Caroline and I have um, a, a postcard that has a QR code to all of our clients and talks about, oh, she's got it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> talks sweet. about the, uh, showing it there on camera. Yeah, uh, that's talks awesome. About yeah. The, uh, the work that we do. And then we put some information about Pesarama and we dropped it off at Raymond James and Canaccord and Echelon and Eight Capital and all these shops. So now literally overnight, all of these guys have um, a package on their desk that, uh, is there and, and creates a bit of intrigue and um, yeah, like a little dollar store goodie bag. Who would yeah. love that? Yeah. And we're huge cheerleaders for our clients. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe you can elaborate on some of the other stuff we do. Yeah, for sure. And we work with another very cool company called the Planting Hope Company, where it's all women board, all women C-suite. And one of uh, their flagship products is sesame milk, which is uh, the latest trend in plant-based milk. So, um, and they've got lots of other snack options that are very, uh, you know, they're all plant-based and very nutritious. So uh, we took them public last year. Um, very good story, interesting story. And we were able to get them exclusive coverage on Golden Mail. So we're very proud of that. Again, you know, we don't just do IR. Are we do PR as well? So that's our angle. That's why we're so different. And we were able to secure, you know, exclusive coverage for Bloom and Mail for newly listed company um, for all women board at C Suite. Wow. It's just, you know, it's so, we're so proud of it. <laughs> I, I think that's amazing. You definitely should be proud of that. And but what I love about this is like, A, the creativity that you guys had around, you know, the, the Mexican dollar store. What's the name? What's the name of it again? Pesorama. Pesorama. Okay, great name. Um, and I thought, I just think that so, you know, definitely probably set you guys apart for sure. And then obviously as, you know, female co-founders, it must feel great to be able to support, you know, other female founded 
companies as well. Right. So, you know, I'm sure you're going to draw in many more exciting clients, but thank you for sharing a couple of examples, at least about, you know, some of them that you've started working with and that had really good success stories. So what would you yeah, say? I carry, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'll carry around sesame milk or their, <laughs> or their um, veggie rice around to broker meetings and, you know, get, give them a sample to brokers so they remember. So, yeah, yeah. And it just starts a good conversation. Too. Exactly. I'm, I'm sure their product is great. So it makes it, makes it an easy sell, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so obviously, you know, I know, you know, starting a business is not always just a smooth road. Uh, even though you guys are in a really great spot today, what were some of the biggest challenges that you guys have faced, you know, both personally and professionally as, as entrepreneurs. And then, you know, even with, you know, as your company as well. Um, and both, I'd love to hear from both of you on this one. For me, uh, one of the biggest challenges would be juggling everything. Um, we always tell this to people between the two of us, there are seven kids. So we're moms and business owners and, uh, partners and yeah, every just juggling everything, you know, being a woman and you're, um, you always have this mom guilt as well if you're a mom. So, uh, yeah, like for me, I guess that's that's uh, more on the, on the personal side. Uh, but we were able to, uh, you know, actually, it's it's nice because Alyssa and I we're so similar and the same, and we're we're now best friends that we talk to each other. And I think that's it's that's one of the great things about. Uh, being co-founders and, and have each other to uh, share stories and to, um, you know, discuss and talk about your, your ups and downs, right? So mm -hmm. uh, to relate and to and yeah. vent, let's be honest, to vent sometimes about some of the struggles. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I guess yeah. Pr practically speaking, there's the challenges around um, kind of managing client expectations uh, is always a challenge, especially in our space, uh, because the work is so demanding. And we really, sometimes we joke, we feel like we're a 24-7 drive-through <laughs> that's always open. Yeah. Um, so I think managing client expectations and making sure that we can maintain the level of quality that we promised to our clients. Um, hiring has been, um, I'd say challenging as in it's hard to find good people, but we've really found some really great people uh, that we've tapped in or recruited from our network. Um, and uh, and we've gotten really creative in terms of how we've built that out um, mm. and brought in some really great skill sets. We've got head of PR came from, uh, she was working for one of the ministers in Ottawa. So she didn't have an IR background, but came to us um, with some great skills that were transferable and, and a desire to grow in this industry. Um, so that I think is one of the practical work challenges. Sure. Um, yeah, ju juggling everything is is challenging, especially as moms. But um, Caroline and I, I think we do a pretty good job. And I guess our our spouses, um, I, I think we're just so grateful for for them and our families who are able to help support us. And we really could not do what we do if it weren't for them. Fair. Yeah. I mean, I love this because it's not often, you know, yes, there's a lot of co-founded companies, co-founded female companies as well, uh, or female-led companies. Um, so let's elaborate a little bit on that. I can tell that you guys have a really good um, chemistry of how you guys work together and this friendship that you've built over time. But I'd like to know, like, what is it really like working as a co-founder and how do you guys try to play to each other's 
strengths and, and, you know, and how do you kind of keep, you know, now that you are friends, how do you kind of keep, you know, church and state separate? Like, cause it can, can, can all blend together. So I'd love to, to learn a little bit more about how you navigate that dynamic in that relationship. Yeah, we, I think that what has led to our success, and I feel like I could not be any more fortunate to have uh, a co-founder any better than Caroline. Like she's second to none, like she's extraordinary. So um, I think the fact that we didn't have a huge history together actually has played um, in our favor. Um, so we really were coming at this with a business lens, not two friends who are trying to mm-hmm. Uh, you know, leave their corporate careers behind. Um, we came into this focused um, and we play to each other's um, strengths. So there are things that Caroline does that I cannot do or do not want to do and vice versa. So it's it naturally, um, it we've kind of, everything's fallen into place in a really great way. Um, we are very much the same in terms of our expectations and output and standards but we're really different in other areas. And it's, we, we've cried together. We've uh, laughed together. There's sometimes we, um, as you said, uh, there's some therapy sessions or some commiserating that needs to, needs to happen, but we do it in a really, I think, respectful way. And we've, we're, we're lucky that we've been through so much in our careers, not that we're all that old, but, you know, we've got, you know, a, a, a over a decade plus behind us before we even started IR Labs, almost, almost 20 years, actually. So, um, so it's, it's been, um, it's been, it's been great. Uh, it, like, working with Caroline is, is like the greatest, I would say, the greatest benefit of um, starting IR Labs. This is so so lovely, and and Caroline, do you do you agree with all of that? Of course, yes. (laughs) We wouldn't be there without Alyssa. I mean, you know, she called me and she asked me if you know we wanted to join forces and partner together. And uh, yeah, I think we use this uh, you know philosophy a lot, where you know things just come into places, and you know we're just meant to be, and you know we (laughs) we uh, we really admire each other and and trust each other and uh yeah like i'm so grateful to be working with Alyssa. she's so great in so many different things and we just complement each other you know we just know each other's strengths and weaknesses and we talk about them and of course we always want to um help each other and improve each other um but yeah i think um coming in being open minded and uh, just trusting, uh, that's been really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think it helped that you guys had a really good sort of professional respect for each other, right. Even asking each other to cover mat leaves shows that you had that, you know, respect for it professionally, which is so important. I think, uh, I also loved, and you mentioned this earlier that you guys just decided to, you know, do this 50, 50. So it truly is a partnership I have seen other, you know, co-founded companies where the, um, the split is not, you know, um, equal and it creates a little bit of a weird dynamic. So I think I, I really, really support, you know, anytime people are trying to start a business together, when you take out the, you know, I've got 60%, you've got 40 or even 80, 20, whatever it is, it just, it allows for each person to be really strong 
and uh, feel safe. And like that, that part of the business is not an issue, right? Right away. And I, I think that's just a good example of saying, let's, let's play to each other's strength. Let's do this to truly do this together. Even though maybe it was Alyssa who came up with the idea initially. And, and sometimes people quabble over that a bit and say, okay, well, I came up with the idea, so I'm going to take a higher percentage. And then they're not thinking what the day-to-day will be like when there's a little bit of that power dynamic. So I love that you guys have what I can tell is a really, really strong partnership. And then I think it helps that it's you guys did have that corporate experience behind you. And I know a lot of people will say, oh, I wish I had started this 10 years ago, you know, whatnot. But 10 years ago, you wouldn't have the experience of whatever work you were doing prior that is now informing you know, how you help your clients today, whether the work you did prior was good or bad, we all learn from those experiences. And I will say as myself, even starting, um, sort of my business into my mid to late thirties, that, that experience that came before the 15 or 16 years of corporate experience has really helped to inform what I do. So for anyone listening, you know, I know these days we see all these, you know, young people starting businesses right away. And we feel sometimes like maybe that's not for us when we're later in our later stages in life. And I I think you can start it at any stage. Um, And actually everything that you've done prior can really help you in whatever your foray is after that, Um, even if it's in a totally different industry. Uh, For you guys, it's not. So it's been obviously very, um, very helpful that you had that experience before coming together. I'd like to ask what happens? Like, I mean, you guys just, I was like, you guys just seem like such a dream to, you know, dream team here. You really respect each other. You work well together, but what happens when you guys are looking at something and you just really don't just disagree? And how do you guys navigate that? I think, um, uh, I agree with everything you just said. And I think one of the things also just before responding on that is mm-hmm. talking to other co-founders is something we did. Um, and we actually heard a lot of disaster stories and yeah. we heard some success stories and we built our relationship based off of that and kept a very open, had a very open conversation. It's not hard. It, it's, it's hard. It's not easy to talk about what happens if one of us is, you know, is gone like it's or you know or or what do exits look like and having those discussions right at the get-go um is um uh is really important i think one of the things where um we both have very strong personalities but again coming back to we have a lot of respect for each other so we we will challenge each other uh from time to time on certain things and but i think we're um I don't know if the right word is like self-aware or intuitive enough to know that if Caroline is not backing down on something, then there's a reason for it. And I need to kind of take a step back and understand, and maybe I just have to let this one go and vice versa. Like there are things where, um, we've never, we've never gotten into sort of an arm wrestle over anything. It's just, you know, I trust that you're going to make the right decision. And, and, um, we also need to trust that we, one of us may be making the wrong decision as well. Mm -hmm. And just respecting that let's use that as a learning opportunity to make sure next time um, we think that a little bit more thoughtfully or debate a little bit more, maybe take a different, uh, take different path. Sure. Fair. Um, All right. So, you know, you guys are, you know, just it's over a year now into your journey. 
your, I think your team is about 20 people or so, you know, you guys grew pretty quickly. Uh, did you expect to go so grow so quickly? And, you know, what are you looking at in terms of growth um, going forward of your team and as, as well as your business? Yeah. Uh, so did I expect it to grow so quickly? I didn't expect it to grow this quickly. But I did expect that we would um, grow in terms of yeah clients and and uh, and work. Uh, but I guess the reason why we grew so quickly and we needed to grow so quickly because you know again like we kept getting inbounds coming in like referrals and we needed to um, have that bench strength. We need to you know uh, make sure that we have the resources to support all these clients. So. Um, yeah, we have 25 clients and we have 20 people. It's almost like almost one-to-one ratio, mm-hmm. right? But it's also because we are so proud of our work and the quality of the work that we want to do that um, that we we need the, the bench strength of our team um, to be able to deliver, uh, you know, to our clients. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think uh, it's it's been great that we've been able to grow so quickly and uh, get the right talents in, in the company. Uh, and, you know, we have bigger plans for next year and, and even, you know, the rest of this year, if not next week, <laughs> we, we move really quickly. Uh, we just don't stop and we want to continue to grow. So yeah, we're, we're preparing for the future. Awesome. Yeah. Alyssa, anything to add? I think Caroline was foreshadowing some surprises to come in there. Okay. Well, we'll we'll have to do an update on, on the episode in, in some time where you can share. Uh, I I think I've actually decided I'd love to do sort of check-ins, you know, with some of, some of the founders in in the future, because your business is still in such early stages. So a couple of years from now, I'm sure we'll be having a very different conversation, but I can't wait to hear what this excitement is in the coming weeks. Yeah, it's it's been incredible. We feel so fortunate for all of the support, and our clients have been uh, amazing. And uh, we built we built from the future from the get go. So as Caroline alluded to, we've got a lot of people uh, on our team, mm-hmm. uh, but we can take on more clients today with the uh, yeah. the number of people we have. There's a risk, uh, obviously a financial risk for us in doing so, but it's um, it's led to our success and um, you know a little bit of call it short-term financial pain to have such a significant team yeah. to be able to have easy onboarding of um, client, new clients um, right right away and not have to turn anybody away uh, has been really great. Yeah. Which is, you know, imagine you were at a at capacity just because you didn't have the right team and you're turning away good clients. So like you building that infrastructure for the future to be able to onboard new clients is I think so key. And what do you really see as the the future for, you know, your industry as well as your business is, you know, where would you like to see IR labs in five years from now? I'd love, I'd love to, to hear what the vision for the company is. I think we, we want to keep growing. Uh, we want to keep, um, we, we want to stay with our clients for a really long time. And we, and that might even be, you know, fortunate uh, for some of our clients where they have exit opportunities in a couple of years and m and transactions, we, we want to help them achieve that. Um, I think venturing into the U.S. is something that is really important to us. We do a lot of work for our clients today in the U.S. So building out both of our 
team and client base in the US would be fantastic. And we, we do have a few uh, US clients today. Okay. Uh, and hopefully uh, looking forward to a couple of NASDAQ listings um, over the next little while as well, which is exciting for us. We just want to keep growing and doing really great work. Um, I awesome. think one of one of the things we didn't touch on is just how important um, uh, innovation is now mm-hmm. in our industry. And it's a lot of it's been a lot of the same. It's been done the same way for so many years, uh, which has been a little archaic. So we're bringing a lot of new perspective. Um, we've actually spent a lot of time doing research. Uh, we have people on our team who are looking at what investor relations in other parts of the world looks like and bringing that back to our clients. So we want to be a trusted uh, resource uh, that can deliver and uh, ultimately support our clients to um, uh, create a lot of value for their uh, investors. Sure. And in terms of that innovation piece, as well as you know, future scalability of, of your business. Are there any ways that you're currently leveraging technology in, in your business to help with that? And, and what are your thoughts on sort of, you know, the future of, you know, technology in terms of within investor relations? So we're currently using multiple platforms uh, for IR targeting, for example, peer analysis. Uh, we use a platform called Irwin, which okay. is, um, uh, again, it's very specific to investor relations, but they have a database uh, where we can target specific investors located in specific countries, geographies, uh, specific funds, if they're only, you know, real estate only funds or plant-based food um, funds. So, uh, yeah, we have we have that uh, partnership with uh, with them. Um, and we're using their their tool, uh, which is very important uh, for us. And um, and and we're also using uh, you know platforms like Monday.com, for example, to project manage uh, our clients, all of our um, clients' checklists, you know, action lists, uh, disclosure calendar, uh, conference list, analyst list. So we want to make sure that we're very efficient and everything is integrated into this platform. So um, you know, both the clients um, and our team members can see simultaneously. Um, they can see the updates live. We can always know what we're up to. Um, and it also creates uh, accountability and, um, you know, um, you know, ROI, like measurements, right? So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's incredible the tools that exist these days for, you know, even the transparency, the accountability, the, yeah. you know, everybody being able to see the same thing at the same time. I, I and and then the project management tools. I use Monday as well. And it's just it's quite um impressive what is out there these days to to really leverage and, and be able to focus on the parts of your business that you really enjoy doing because you've got the technology infrastructure supporting some of the more admin and mundane kind of tasks of the business. Right. So as we, as we kind of round out this episode, it's been so great chatting with you guys. I'd love to kind of hear if you guys have any, you know, is there anything you would do differently if you had to go back and start this entrepreneurial journey again, is there anything that you would, you would try a little bit different? Uh, I know I uh, I wish I started earlier, but I also agree with your points that I would not have been able to do what I we do today if it weren't for all of the other experiences. So I think the the takeaway for for us, or I guess the self reflection that Caroline and I often talk about, is 
investing in ourselves. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, and believing, believing that you can do it. Um, I, uh, am I surprised we grew so fast? Not really, because we've been hustling and we believed in ourselves. We invested everything we have. Uh, we left very lucrative, secure corporate jobs to be able to do this. Um, but it hasn't been, uh, without a lot of effort and a lot of just belief in, in ourselves. It, there are moments where it has been challenging and, uh, hard to move forward when um, you're kind of inundated with so much at once, but just uh, taking it day by day and just knowing that we'll get through this is uh, kind of my self-reflection on the last year. I love that. And and Caroline, anything to add there? Yeah, I, I don't usually have an ego, but I feel like we've done it successfully and we've done it right. And that was because, uh, you know, advice from other people that when you launch something, you just launch something big. And that's what we did. Mm -hmm. And so maybe that's an advice to all the listeners here. If you want to uh, launch your own business, then, um, you know, invest in in that marketing and and website, nice copywriting and launch it big to the world, to your network. Uh, Use all the platforms today. You know, there's so much social media and um, digital ads and uh yeah just just go big just go for it yeah and i i like that both of you are using the word invest um actually the episode um that just aired yesterday was about um that i did as a solo episode was about investing in yourself and i think often as entrepreneurs we think about the the money or the time or the resources that we spend on ourselves or to fund our dreams or to start a business as we look at it as an expense, but it really truly as an, in an, is an investment. And I personally believe that, and I can see it with you guys and, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but do you not believe that the investments that you've made and even just leaving those big corporate cushy, comfortable, um, jobs that maybe would return, you know, or, you know, go up in salary 5% a year, don't you believe in in yourself that you will return more over time in your business from a financial perspective, as well as a a self, um, I guess, self, not self-fulfilling, but just having real enjoyment of your life that that's the best investment you'll ever make by doing that. Like, and yes, it probably meant months or even maybe a year of, 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 not making the kind of money you made before and having to go hard and to hustle. But now, like, isn't it really the most fulfilling thing you've probably ever done in your life is to be able to, to start a business like this? I'd love to Absolutely. hear. Yeah. 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 Never, never cap, never cap your upside. Like, it's, right. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. to your point, it might take a little bit, but um, the sky's the limit and we've had to work hard for it. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, and I like that. Don't cap your upside because the, the truth is, as an entrepreneur, generally what happens is there's so many opportunities. You don't even realize all the opportunities you have to grow your business. And it's just more about managing your your time and resources to be able to take advantage of all of the opportunities. Whereas sometimes when you're, when you're in a corporate job, you're a little bit limited or you might actually eventually hit a glass ceiling. And, you know, there isn't really one when you're an entrepreneur. So um, I love that you guys just like went for it and invested in yourselves and took that big leap. It's not easy to do that, especially when you are in a a comfortable, safe, secure spot. You've got, like you said, seven children between the two of you. 
in the middle of a pandemic. Like it takes a lot of guts to do what you guys did a lot of grit as well. Um, a great vision. And then I think like the work ethic to back it. So I, you know, thank you so much for everything that you've shared about, about your story. I'd definitely love to do a follow-up in a, in a few years time and see where you guys are at. So as we wrap up, I always love to ask, um, my, uh, guests this question, just more out of my own curiosity, but, uh, can you guys tell me what you're listening to these days? Is there like a, a great book or podcast that you can recommend? And obviously this podcast, I'm sure you're listening. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Um, no, no coincidence that uh, we, we comment on the invest in yourself, right? Um, yeah. I admittedly, uh, I don't have a lot of spare time to, to read or listen to too much. I don't watch TV. So I guess um, I eliminate that from my life. But I, I think we read a lot of, um, I, I'd say I read a lot of uh articles. Um, I've just, we've kind of spent the whole year trying to get, become experts on our clients and the industries that they represent. So um, nowadays reading a lot of LinkedIn articles and posts mm -hmm. and getting a lot of my news through my network is really where I spend uh, or allocate a little bit of my time each day. Sure. Okay. And Caroline? Yeah. Similar, uh, similarly, like a lot of, we, we do a lot of reading for our clients, um, you know, annual reports and DNAs and legal documents and whatnot um but i guess i currently have a couple books uh next to my bed i have the trusted advisor and the other book on um, you know scaling your your professional agency so just learning more about again investing in your business and investing in yourself you know learning more about how how to continue to scale and grow your business Awesome. I think it's, it's always good to keep learning and upskilling. And, you know, um, I, I love that you guys are so committed professionally that even the books and the things that you read and do <laughs> are all about how you can, um, help your clients and, and help grow your business, which is awesome. Um, any last words that you want to share with our listeners before we, um, cap off. And also if you can share how they can engage with you, you know, online, we'll, we'll add their, the links to the show notes. We so appreciate you having us here. We uh, we absolutely love what we do. Pursue your passions. And uh, I, I'm a big believer of just going for it and believing in yourself. Um, so really appreciate you uh, sharing some of your stories with us and having us yeah. here. Um, we are on LinkedIn. Um, you can catch us at happyinvestors at irlabs.ca and then our first names um, at irlabs.ca as well. And, uh, we'd be, uh, more than happy to engage with anyone who reaches out and, um, uh, happy to connect. As I said, uh, we're, we're big believers in supporting, um, supporting each other. Awesome. Thank we're you guys so much. Like it's been such a pleasure chatting with both of you. Sorry, Caroline, did you have some last words as well? I did. I just cut you off. I there. just <laughs> want to say follow us on Instagram as well. IR.labs. Okay. The handle. We do um, you know, geeky IR videos, <laughs> some IR tips. And uh yeah, if you're ever interested in uh, IR, you know, don't hesitate to reach out. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for being my first, you know, co-founded uh, double, uh, triple episode here. I guess all three of us on the mic together. I think we did such a great job and um, yeah, thanks for your time today. Talk soon.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Futura Talks. I hope it has left you inspired and motivated to pursue your dreams, find your calling, and follow your heart in your life and business. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean so much to me if you would consider leaving a review and better yet, sharing this episode with someone who will be inspired to start building their own Futura. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and I will see you next week.